Dr. Roberts, great to see you, great to have you back. That's what we said Sunday. Of course, Dr. Roberts leads the music orchestra and uh, the uh, choir congregation all there at uh, West Asheville Baptist, and we are delighted to have him. But uh, being on the gospel ship for a week and two weekends there, we missed him, had some great fill-in, but uh, there's nobody like having him. Does a great job. And a wonderful worship song, and I hope that you are, uh, are worshiping here, and thank you for that moment of consecration as we, we have to prepare ourselves. Uh, uh, going into a worship experience does not guarantee worship takes place. It's an attitude of the heart, and so we prepare ourselves uh, before we go into any time of worship. Now, I, want, I won't get another time to stand before you, so I want to invite you to something. Speaking of Dr. Roberts, he is leading our choir and orchestra through our annual uh, a tremendously, he calls it Cecil B. DeMille's and Cast of Thousand. Uh, it's our full Easter production set to the church up, and we put uh, uh, great emphasis upon that, people in biblical costume and doing the songs and the narration from a different even point of view this year. Uh, there must be a sacrifice is the name of it. But on that last weekend in March, uh, Friday night, Saturday night at 7 o'clock, it's perfectly free. Uh, we'll be bringing some free tickets. You don't have to have it. It's just reminder tickets. Uh, Sunday at 6, but that's always the biggest crowd. So even if you're thinking about coming with some people from your church, we'd love to have you come be on the campus there at West Asheville and enhance uh, your uh, celebration as we think about the resurrection. Uh, but uh, the sufferings of our Savior, but they do a great job. So I want to bring a message this morning. Uh, we've been going through kind of a series in the church uh, dealing with who our Lord is and uh, not necessarily titling it this way, but it's kind of the areas that we've hit in being able to trust God. And so I brought a message as we talk about trusting uh, first of all, his sovereign hand, that regardless of what takes place in our life, we can trust his sovereign hand, that he can even work bad things to good, that he's in the process, that he, is in, he can turn things around and for his sovereign will, and so we can trust his sovereign hand. We talked about trusting his securing hand, that he holds us in the midst of his eternal grip, that our view is not that we're holding on to God, but that God has, is holding on to us. And no one can pluck us out of his hand is the scripture there. And, of course, various scriptures could be used. Uh, I, I preached on trusting his supplying hand as he supplies all of our needs uh, that we have. He, he has given us everything we have in life. Amen? Amen? Everything. It's not that we have worked for it it's ours it's it's all a gift from god and by the way we'll take nothing out of here except for that which we have laid up on the other side so we trust his supplying hand and then uh, i also brought a message on trusting his sanctifying hand which we're going to be looking at today uh, that god is in the process of doing a work in sanctifying us and we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in philippians 1 verses 3 through 6 this past uh, Sunday, I preached on trusting his satisfying hand uh, that I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. Uh, how can you be content in him? And the holy rub here, hey, I'm giving you some ideas to preach on some things. In the midst of this holy rub is the fact that while we can be content 
in what he has given to us. Listen, when I married my wife 42 plus years ago, I've been content in her. Y'all all right? Okay. So he said in the garden, you can eat of every tree but this one. He gives you a wife and he says, that's yours. Leave the rest of them alone. Okay. So, but in the midst of being content, there's a holy rub because there's a discontent in the fact of where we are and where we need to be. That it's a process there uh, in our life. And so there is that kind of rub there of, of being content and not satisfied and lazy, uh, but, but still pressing on. And actually this Sunday I'm preaching on trusting his saving hand uh, as we look at uh, God's will and in us reaching people. So anyway, today we're going to be looking at this passage of Scripture talking about His sanctifying hand in our life and, and where we are and where we're going. So very quickly in the time that is allotted to us, uh, which will pass away very quickly, let's move into Philippians 1, verses 3 through 6. And Paul is reflecting here. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ let's pray father take this word apply it to our hearts and lives lord may we apply the word in such a way to understand that we're in the midst of a process and lord it is a sanctifying process in our life lord help us to be open to what you would speak to us this day bless your word in jesus name amen the apostle paul is awaiting trial here in a roman prison and his thoughts are not of himself I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting there in a prison somewhere, it's woe is me. You know, I'm here in this, uh, and listen, this is not three meals and uh, air condition and big screen TV and weights out in the yard and all the other rights that people get in prison today. Uh, this is dank, damp, you could, be, you could alliterate that and keep going, but dirty. Uh, and uh, it's just an awful place that uh, your food was usually brought in from other people. The rats were there, and yet his thoughts are upon others, and he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. By the way, when things get to be dim in our life, it's great to reflect on those who brought you to where you are today. I remember those people, to have great fond memories of those who have spoke into my life and those who have spoken into your life. So I want to encourage you to do that. And by the way, it's never quite as bad as you think it is. Okay? Just on those. In the future, as I told the class a little bit ago, every, every Monday morning when most pastors are ready to resign, it's never quite as bad as you think it is. Okay? Keep pressing on. But he's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of his church and the remembrance that he has of them. He was beaten even there in prison. And you remember the miraculous story, the Philippian jailer is saved and, and uh, he goes down by the riverbank and he sees Lydia and uh, the church is started there. And so he's just thinking of those great remembrances in life. God has been so good to us. So when we think about 
how God has done this and that, and he's talking about the things in his background here. He thanked God from the fellowship they had from the very beginning, how it all started. He's been coming up to date, and the work that God has done through these years. Sanctification is a process that we'll be looking at here in just a little bit. But when he thinks of this, he comes down to verse 6, and he, he, and he gets into it by talking about sanctification in several ways. First of all, he talks about sanctification is a position. We are positionally sanctified in Jesus Christ. Now, when he says this in verse 6, he says, being confident of this very thing that he who begun a good work in you, he, that the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus Christ began the work in our life. He is the one who has saved us. He began that good work. When did that start? It started on the day of your salvation, the day when you trusted Christ as Savior. He has begun a good work in you. And so when he begins that good work in you, it does have a beginning point. And by the way, we need to be cognizant of the fact that, that people we talk to maybe cannot go back to a beginning point in their life. They can't go back to a moment of salvation and they just say, I've always known and I'm not, you know, I don't know where that would be and I've just kind of progressively got better and better and, and they don't have that experience. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And so there has to be that moment of beginning. It's the position of being sanctified in him. Uh, begun a good work in you. So at the moment of repentance and faith and salvation, Christ comes in. It's the provision of Christ that he supplies. And so I'll use a couple of words here to remind us about at that moment what takes place, that we can become positionally uh, in a different position than we were. First of all, there is regeneration. Just some words that we think about. We are regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So I've got a new, as I just say down to brass tacks, he gave me a new wanter. There's things I desire when I came to know Christ that I, that I desire now that I didn't necessarily desire then. Not that things were necessarily bad, but the priorities get into play here. And so I have a new desire, a new wanter. There's regeneration. We're born again. There, there's not just regeneration, but there's justification. A new standing, an accounting word that instead of being uh, weighed in the balances and found wanting, uh, he's moved me to the account of paid in full because of what Christ did. And my faith in Christ and his provision for me on the cross declares that I am justified. And that's not just as if I'd never sinned. Don't use that as one of your definitions because we have sinned. If we had never sinned, Jesus would never have left the splendors of glory to come to this earth to die on an old rugged cross, to be spit upon, to be beaten, to be ridiculed, and all that he went through for us. So it's not just as if we'd never sinned, but accounting-wise, our bill is paid in full because of him. Justification, it is, sanctification is a position. It's a new standing in him. And then there's adoption. 
Something that we overlook a lot of times. Some of you here today may be adopted, I'm not sure. But you can understand that perhaps better than any of us today because you are in a family that you didn't necessarily um, know what you were going to be getting. You were brought into it by the grace of God. And, 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 and the Bible talks about that in John 1:12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. We get to be a part of the family of God, and there's nothing like it. I love the, the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people, adopted in the faith. That's why we call them brothers and sisters. Sometimes we can call them a lot of other names, but they're brothers and sisters because we're in the family of God, never to lose that right, not dependent upon my ability, not dependent upon uh, who I am and what I'm doing, but dependent upon a position that he's given me in this sanctified stand. So when we think about that, that sanctification is a position. How about another one you won't hear too often? Sainthood. You know you're a saint. Have you ever looked at the times, it's a great word study, the times that saint is used in the New Testament? I guarantee you, there's not many people who come up to me and say, Saint Stan, that was a great message. Number one, it may not have been a great message, but they just don't call me saint. And I've got a sneaking suspicion they don't call you saint either because it's not something we do. But positionally, we are declared to be saints already in God's sight, justified already in his sight, adopted into the family, by, positionally regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. So first of all, he began a good work. In us, There had to be a beginning point and a very clear message that he's bringing to us in this point of sanctification. It is a position. But also, sanctification is a process. He who begun a good work in you will complete it. He will continue it. He will complete it in that day of Jesus Christ. There comes a completion date here. He's still working in our particular lives. One of the greatest doctrinal truths that we find anywhere in the Bible, and especially the New Testament, is that the work that he began, he's going to continue in our lives. Anybody here that can still say, God's still working on me? To make me what I ought to be? Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. You see, that's the work that he's doing on us but he's still working on me. Get me to that point where I need to be. Sanctification is a process by the point that, that he started it, but he will not finish it until we get to heaven. So for those of you that get, like I do at times, very frustrated with ourselves, and, and we began to cry out even as Paul did, you know, I'm just not the man I ought to be. The things that I do, I don't want to do, and the things I don't do are the things I ought to be doing. Anybody here associate with that? But it is a process through which he is bringing you through to get you to the other side. One of the greatest illustrations I see in that is one of those favorite great theological movies, Karate Kid. <laughs> and all the time that uh, Danielson is working on waxing on and waxing off, he gets so frustrated in the process of what he's having to do that he can't see that as he's doing this and doing this that Mr. Miyagi is trying to teach him what it's all about 
And he's saying, all I'm doing is, is doing this for you and doing this. And you're let me doing all your work for you. And he says, really? And all of a sudden, I'm coming up against you. And he says this. And wax on, wax off. And all of a sudden, he's... And he says, man, now I understand what you're doing. Have you ever been on the other side of that and said, God, I didn't know why. I didn't understand it at the time, but now I can say it was a process that you brought me through. See, that's how God works in our life. In some of the most hurtful situations in your life, God can turn that bad to good. Not that it was good, but that he can work it to good. That's the way that our God works, and it's a work of sanctification. It's a work that, that uh, you know, we're not just positionally sanctified, but he's continuing to work on us. Can anybody here say, I'm, I'm not the person that I used to be? Anybody here say, I'm not the person that I was when looking back at the point of my salvation? I'm not that person. I have grown. I sometimes say to, to individuals, you know, what I knew at the age of 11 when I first received Christ was nothing compared to what I knew at the age of 17 when I gave my heart life back to the Lord at the age of 18 as God called me to preach. And then when you start fruitland at the age of 20 graduating, I was like, man, now I really know it. I mean, you, and, but, but then you're just beginning. And at 21, beginning in full-time church work, and, and since that point, the work that he's done, and he's just continuing to build, and you just look back and say, this is a process for the long haul. And it's been a long time since December of 1979 and rolling up into Beverly Hills Baptist Church in Rockingham and beginning there as a full-time staff position. And what God would do there, by the way, when I didn't understand what he was doing when I was associate pastor, minister to youth and children, I said, I think God's called me to preach. I'm pretty sure that's what he said to me. I know it is. But I'm going to have limited times. I arrive on the field, my wife, eight-month-old, and the pastor says after the moving truck is unloaded and we're at his house eating supper, I want to be up front with you. I've preached a trial sermon and indeed, if they vote me in tomorrow, which they waited a week, he said, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to announce that the next Sunday I'm gone in a month, and you're going to be on your own, and they're probably going to invite you to be the interim pastor as well. I'm not sure how upfront that really was, but we were already moved in. And so here we are. And sure enough, it happened like that. But what God did in my life, which I could not see at the time, I just knew I was at the right place at the right time and God was going to do a work. The process had begun, but all of a sudden I'm in there and I'm not only having youth meetings, I'm not only having children's meetings, but I'm doing Wednesday nights, I'm doing Sundays, Sunday morning, Sunday night. You say, why did you do it all? Because I was too ignorant and too passionate to do anything else. I just didn't know any better. But God taught me sitting through deacons meetings and doing the Lord's Supper and baptism and as I say sometimes, marrying and bearing and dealing with the contrary, you learn a lot of things. It's a process. And, and, and it's not what you can do, it's what God can do through you. It's a process. And so as he begins to talk about this process, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a work that he's doing that he begins to show us things that perhaps we're involved with that we don't need to be involved with. It's a separation to God. That, he's, he, that we're to be separate. God, you've you got to work for me to do. And while this may be okay for this person, 
You've shown me this is not going to be what you want me to do. You've separated me into a work. You, you, you're imputing that old word we don't like to use, holiness. Because be holy even as I, your Lord God, am holy. That's what he's called us to. It's, it's a purification from moral evil so we don't just live right above the line. We don't get close to the line. There's a desire to say, I want to live as close to my Savior as I possibly can. And he's given that desire. He gives us a new wanter. A new wanter. Not to want certain things and to want other things. But then to be conformed to the image of God. Because that's what eight, Romans 8, 28 and 29 are talking about. That, that we might, that he can work all things together to good for those who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose that he is conforming us into his image, as he reminds us there. So how does that take place, this process? It's to be surrendered to God, first of all. How do we surrender ourselves to God? I found it necessary to each and every day, as we start a new day, to surrender ourselves to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 gives us a perfect example of that. That, that uh, as Paul beseeches them by the mercies of God to present ourselves to God every day as a living sacrifice which is wholly acceptable unto him. To be holy and acceptable that we may be able to prove his perfect will. And so that we're not conformed to this world but by the transforming uh, renewing of our mind we are transformed into who he wants us to be that's what those verses say but that's a daily process that's not a Sunday process that's a daily process you know most sacrifices were dead sacrifices they killed them they laid them on the altar but we're living sacrifices so that every day we can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God surrendered to God when we're surrendered to God there's certain things that we won't do We put a lot of things in our bodies that we shouldn't put in our bodies. And I'm not talking about just eating. Let's put it this way. We, we probably, yeah, we eat a lot of things we shouldn't eat. But let's talk about what we put into our minds. There are things that we may watch that we don't need to watch. There are things on the social network that we're involved with that we don't need to be socially inclined to. You can spend all your time. Do you know these little cell phones are pretty addicting. No, I can't get it out of my pocket because it's blocked here. Do you know they're addicting? We get so addicted to them, we can't put them down. We can't put them down. You, you look out there and you see people scrolling during services. They're just going, well, they're probably looking up scripture. Some maybe are. Hopefully some are popping in an offering there, which they, sometimes they do. Amen. So let them do it. But, but many of them, that, when they're just afraid, they're going to miss the last little feed on there something in the feed just popped up i didn't see that before and then i gotta get it back out i missed five minutes here i gotta get it back out we, we can waste a lot of time so so when we're going to be conformed to his image we need to spend more time in the things of god and putting away these things you know spending time watching a lot of television we can waste a lot of time by the way amusement ah none muse think no thinking is an amusement you see, we can do a lot of that. So we have to surrender ourselves to him each and every day. That's a part of the process that he wants us to be about. We put a lot of wrong things in there. My, well, I'll go ahead and tell it because I started to tell it. Hopefully she's not watching this live. 
my wife pulls up with her little yellow Volkswagen Beetle, diesel powered. She's used to getting diesel gas. This is back years ago. And she pulls up to the pump, and she's used to getting the green pump, putting it in the handle because it's diesel. She pulls up to a pump over in Charlotte, and she starts to put it in, realizing that she's at a BP station, and a lot of the pumps are green, the handles. She's just put gas in a diesel car. And she calls me frantic and said, what do I do? I said, well, don't drive it. Just don't start it up. Don't drive it. We'll, we'll call the wrecker, go in, and they had to do a change out of different things and all the things they do there, glow plug and things I don't understand. But she put the wrong fuel in. We can be guilty of putting the wrong fuel in. We need to be surrendered to God. The second thing is we need to be shaped by God. Even as a believer, it's God that takes the initiative. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Sometimes we're kicking and screaming in the process, but he's going to complete that. Sometimes we're frustrated in the process. Why didn't this happen here? It happens for other people. Why because it's a matter of God's timing. You wouldn't have been in that position at that particular time in the right place. Just as sometimes you maybe were at this intersection, if you wouldn't have been a minute late leaving, you wouldn't have been at this intersection. If you'd have been somewhere earlier, if you'd have been somewhere later, all kinds of things could have happened. God's in the process of doing that. Paul says it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's wanting to mold us into the people that, that we ought to be. Sometimes he allows those painful things to come in our life. James chapter 1 he says, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Anybody here joyous in that? Not a whole lot. Knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing, not tempting, God's not the author of that, but the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. First Peter chapter 1 verses 6 and 7 says the thing, same thing. In this greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, that you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. John Newton, who wrote, of course, Amazing Grace, said, I'm not what I ought to be, and I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world, but still, I'm not what I used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. What a great statement. So we struggle, just as Paul struggled in this process. But quickly, as I'm heading out of time here, let me say this. Sanctification is also a prize. And he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is that day? It's the day of our glorification. It's the day we lay this old body down. It's the day we stop the struggle with sin and strife in this world. It's the day we lay down sickness in this world. It's that day. Because sanctification is a prize, and we will be glorified in a day when we stand and we are like him. When Jesus returns, and all of a sudden we will be like him. It's that which we preach over and over again. The day when, when that which is perfect has come, that which is partial, temporary, will be done away with. 
we will see as things really are in that particular day. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for the Savior. See, right now we're just waiting. We're groaning. For 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and chapter 5 talks about groaning in this present tabernacle, earnestly desiring rather to be in his presence. But he said either while I'm here or in his presence, I, I want to glorify him. So if I'm absent from the Lord, then I'm laboring here, but I far would rather be in his presence once and for all on the other side where absent of this body is to be present with him. He was looking to that particular day. And 1 Corinthians 15, when these bodies will be raised, the bodies that have been planted or in the case of cremation remains, those who have been buried at sea, whatever it is, the God who put them together in the first place has no problem bringing them back together. And he makes us into that perfect resurrected body like the resurrected body of our Savior Jesus on that day. That will be the day of glorification, the prize. Sanctification is a prize. On that day will be everything that we ever thought we'd be. We might have thought we were at our prime when we were 18 or 25 or 30 or whatever, but it won't light a candle in comparison to what we'll be like that day. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. So why do we want to remain so immature in our faith? Somebody said years ago, the Christian life is like an old iron bed, sturdy on both ends, salvation in heaven, but just sags in the middle. We've got to understand we're in a process, and you should not be the same person you were a month ago, not a year ago, certainly not since the time of your salvation. You'll be different from the time you, you finished Fruitland than when you begun. It's a process, and he's bringing you along in that process. Our lives will be different. You will be who he wants you to be in that day, in that day. We will be complete in him. In the military that process for those who go beyond where everybody else goes in the, in the normal muckety-muck of, uh, of, of basic training. You call them the, the Army Rangers, the Green Beret. You call them the Delta Force. You call them the Navy SEALs. How about the day that we just decide I'm not going to be satisfied where somebody else is and compare myself here. Lord, you've begun a process. I just want to be submissive and surrender to you all along the way. So that one day, and it will continue to be a process until I meet you and I'm glorified. But Lord, I don't want to stay who I was. I want to keep growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go down to the Billy Graham Library, you'll see on Ruth Graham's gravestone there. Construction is now over. Thanks for your patience. Just a construction sign that she saw. She said, that's a great epitaph. I want it put on my tombstone. Very simple. We're in a process that's what sanctification is until our ultimate glorification. God, help us to be faithful in that. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for today we can be reminded the fact that you who have begun a good work in us will complete it. You're going to continue it and not complete it until the day when you call us unto yourself. So, Lord, help us to be surrendered. Help us to be willing to be shaped by you. 
until that day when we are with you personally. Thank you for the process. Thank you, Lord, that we're not what we're going to be, but thank you that we're not what we used to be and for what you're doing here. So I pray you'd meet every need of every person that's here today. Encourage us in the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.